and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is the podcast where we speak to unique and fascinating performers from across the world. Now, today's guest is an absolute comedy storm and brilliant clown. He is a man who has spent many decades clowning around, hoping Cirque du Soleil performers become fantastic clowns. He's worked in theatre. He is a man with many different journeys. His name is René Bazinet. Yes, that's right. Very well said. René Bazinet. René Bazinet. <laughs> René Bazinet. Is that correct? It's getting there. It's getting there. But thank you for coming on the podcast. And like, to, but it's a pleasure to have you here. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling it's my day off, my you know, Wednesdays. I'm not working. So, uh, yeah, now I've been, like I uh, told you before, I haven't been um, uh, active on stage or in teaching this particular art form or any other art form for, for two years now since COVID, you know. And since I am 67 now and my body is getting a little tired and, and um, you know, uh, after all these years of uh, wild, wild adventures, on many stages around the world, I'm. I just I kind of said, okay, let's take a distance from the whole thing and just let's do something, handiwork, uh, something totally different, and and uh, and it's been very very good for me because I also appreciate not being filled with adrenaline. That was my the biggest, uh, one of the biggest. Um, how do you say? Uh, not problems, but one of the. You know, it's like always there and the body creates this adrenaline every night and <laughs> just to play. But it's it's you're very high from the adrenaline and you cannot come down so easily. So a lot of us, I mean, myself definitely included, started to, you know, open a beer and then a second one and, you know, smoking a joint and just trying to calm down from so you can go to sleep. Right. And I, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> so how show is over at 1030. It's 11 o'clock. You know, where are you gonna, you're not going to sleep. Right. So I, you couldn't. And I understand performers, musicians and all over the planet, even, you know, like why they such uh, lonely existences you know you go from the um, from the airport to the hotel to the stage back to the hotel back to stage back to the hotel well when that's finished back to the airport <laughs> you can go from one gig to another have a little bit of break in between it's it's a it's a way of, of living you know it's a it's a very uh for me it was a very solitary way of living you know i didn't really uh, have time much for any relationships, intimate relationships. I mean, I did not really have, I was busy. I was very, very busy. And yeah. I was happy like that too, you know? Um, yeah, that's one of the things I spoke to a co comic who's been going for a very long time. And he mm. says, even with the comics that have made it to the top, the biggest sacrifice they have to make is that they're not able to spend much time with their wife and kids. Like there's a world, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I missed uh, a lot of my son's uh, youth because I was in, in Germany making money, uh, you know, and then, um, yeah, it's 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 uh, and, and your own growth because in the in, in the intimate relationship, you you can grow emotionally, you can come to you know, 
to understanding and then you grow from there and then you grow further. Whereas when you haven't had that, I mean, you can stay a child like most of us do, in fact. I, this is, uh, I find in, at this age, like almost one of the side effects of being funny, being a clown, especially, uh, which means for me, being the inner child all your life, well, you stay a child <laughs> somewhere. You just stayed a child, you know? I mean, there are moments, even last year, I woke up in the morning and uh, I think it was my inner child. It just, you know, I wonder, I wonder what I'm going to be when I grow up. I mean, it's, sorry, what did you say? <laughs> it's getting a bit late here, you know? So, so that's, for me, is uh, part of the, for me, it was part of the, it's not for everyone, but you can't generalize. Like I said to you earlier, it's very personal in the journey that you do. You know, it's very, very personal. You can't really compare it to any other's journey. You know, but to, you understand. What was the what was what was your Indiana Jones adventure journey that led to where you are today? Like, how did you like you mentioned before in the podcast that now you're working with a lovely mentor in terms of poetry? And he led you down this lovely clowny path. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Indiana Jones, I worked 10 years in the streets of Paris. That's pretty Indiana Jones, if you ask me. I've seen things happening in the streets, which like, you know, how was your, how, you know, it's it's a jungle out there, right? It's uh, because you're, it's a free for all. We were very free. Um, there were experience like I saw David Shiner doing a show one day, and he, you know, he asked me to, uh, to, uh, to, to pass the hat for him, uh, and it was just an amazing, an amazing, uh, event that what 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 he did there. That he's he's very he's very provoking in his way of making people laugh, but uh, <clears throat> he had. <clears throat> this rich German guy there and his wife and it was cold so they had a, a coat like you know very rich uh, coat and David just walked up opened the coat went inside the jacket took out his wallet and and took out these 500 franc bills in those days you know it was before the euro and there were all these Arabs standing there, and he just handed each Arab a, a, a 500 franc bill <laughs> with an empty wallet, went back to the guy and threw it at his feet. And then he took his, yanked his wife out, out there and, and he started dancing with her, throwing his leg over her shoulder, going to a punk couple, throwing the, the German wife into the punk and taking the punk girl and dancing with her. I mean, it did not stop. And when he stopped and looked at the Arabs who had you know, were like shivering because I don't think most of them never had a five hundred franc bill in their hands. They were all like, and we were in stitches, laughing, laughing so hard, right? Um, and there was a a railing up there was like a, a flagpole, and there was a you know a whole bunch of people over you know leaning over the railing, laughing at what was going on. And he looked at this big fat man there by the flagpole, ping 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 ping, pop up the flagpole. He was standing beside that man, and he was that guy was like shitting bricks, you know, and he was like, he just put his hand on the railing, turned towards the all these people leaning over and just pushed out his chest and bang, 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 bang. They all let go of the railing so he could walk through it. 
just with the movement of his chest. You understand? And this is, you know, you would do something like that in Hollywood and they wouldn't believe it in a film. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. It's someone's idea. I have seen this with my own eyes. <laughs> this is the street. This is like Indiana Jones for clowns, right? You can you can really go very far there. And um, <clears throat> that was uh, just one incident. There were many, many others. But there was, uh, I mean, <clears throat> you know, in those days I was reading, uh, you know, since I was 18 years old and um, I was very esoterically inclined. So I needed to know how the universe actually functions. And I was really into it. So I had um, guides around me and I could hear them. And when I was in Paris for 10 years without uh, without uh, permission, without the carte de séjour, I was on the edge of society. You understand? I was on the edge of everything. I was walking around with a white face and <laughs> with my duffel bag in Paris. And when cops came towards me, my guides would say, wave to them. And I would wave to them. And it would make them all smiley and happy. They wouldn't ask me for a carte de séjour, you see? And this went on for 10 years, you understand? I was always on the edge. That's another, and there it gets kind of uh, Indiana Jones at moments. Uh, it was so cold, it was like 12 below, like it's now, and you can't do a, a street show. So I went uh, into Go Gare Montparnasse. Gare Montparnasse is like a station, or, you know, uh, the trains, where you got to go to the trains. But uh, uh, it's a huge place inside, and it's warm in there. And the people up there on the railing, and I put my clown nose on, put my costume on quickly. There's no police around, and I just start running around, uh, just to, getting some attention from people wanting to do an act. And um, and as I run back to my corner, I see this guy with a fox terrier dog uh, right across, you know, and I see him and all the people up there already, you know, uh, looking at me, starting to chuckle. And but the dog was like, like. Uh, refusing to go and the guy didn't notice <clears throat> and and I was pointing to the dog and, and they knew because the dog took a shit and the guy didn't even realize it right so it was in the middle of a, of a, of a, of a train station and, and, and then he was embarrassed and, and went away with the dog and I took my little broom and went out there trying to figure out how to, what to do with this piece of shit a dog shit and I went back to my corner and the other another guy just very uh, walks right uh, and looks at me and I'm I'm trying to warn him right and and no he doesn't look he doesn't see it and everybody sees it but him and I try to warn him and bath he walks into the shit <laughs> so I get this incredible laugh right and and the cops are coming the police is coming but as the police are coming I'm looking up there and they're throwing money down they're throwing money down. It was just one gag, right? And the cops said, look, you're not allowed to play here. I says, I know, I know. Just get your money and get out. Okay, thank you. I had a meal, right? But this is something, again, if you do that in Hollywood, nobody would believe it. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is, it's like pure magic was one moment to the next moment to the next moment to the next moment. It was nothing. And I felt protected. So I... And I was on the on on the outside, so uh, I had no plans. You understand? There was no plan for my life, entre guillemets, at all. I was there, in the moment, and I stayed there with my guides. And and uh, whenever I needed some money, I made a show somewhere. If it was too cold, I went somewhere inside and trying to get away with it. 
but uh, that's that's pretty. Um, I mean, ten years of that. It's, it's I didn't only do that, but uh, I got. Uh, I think at the end of Lecoq, yeah, right, right at the end of Lecoq, Goliath took us to Frankfurt to create a show there with uh, half of the class, the finishing class, and and he asked me to do play Harlequin and Pierrot. <clears throat> you know, he's presenting the different styles and and uh, doing like uh, an hour and a half mm. show. And yes, you have quite an interesting relationship with Gurley and Lecoq, don't you? Like you, you started in Lecoq, and you yeah. mentioned that Lecoq was very meta, but Philippe was a bit like your bro. Like he yes. was, yes, yes, he was your your older bro, you know, <laughs> who knew much more than you did. So you better watch out. But he was a bro; you could talk to him, you could shoot the shit with him, you could crack jokes. You see, uh, yeah, but not not go not uh, uh, Lecoq. No, not the car. There's a lot of misunderstandings with him and Philippe. Like, there's people from the school saying that they fell out or whatever. But there's, but from when I found out that they actually got on quite well. But there's people saying that this and that. But it was just effectively there were people that had very different ideas and performing, isn't it? And that's why yeah. it happened. Yeah. Rather than I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Gaulier was Lecoq's student. Long time ago, you see, my my teacher here was Lecoq student long time ago, before me, you see. So we all got it from Lecoq, you understand. And and Lecoq was into physics, into body, into physical expression. So his insignia was the is the Harlequin, or that's is the the insignia of the school, which means uh, that you know, and and that is the the king of of uh, this kind of performance. And he brought Commedia dell'arte, the spirit of it, brought it back into uh, the modern world in a way by teaching us how it was done and 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 um, getting us to um, to have a go at it, you know, because that was. Uh, but that's speaking, and that is acting, and that is mime, and that is clown, and it is all under one hat. You get the whole the whole gamut, you know. Yeah, he's incredible, isn't he? Because I know that he took things from boxing. Ballet, he took things from so many different different performing arts to form his own thing. And he he took years and decades. And like I spoke to Matteo Destra and he's like the founder of a lot of things that are going on now with like what you see in Golia and like he created this whole system of You mean Golia or you mean Golia Lecoq? You mean Lecoq or I mean sort of Lecoq. He created yeah. a lot of yeah. Yeah, the framework for a lot of things that are used. Well, he was meta in a way that that you know the whole first year was neutral mask. Okay, it was a it was a it's a beautiful leather mask and it's neutral and it's a very controversial thing for a, a subject for other uh, artists in those days who didn't believe in a neutral mask. But I was like amazed. I mean, the first the first thing you do is you put the mask on, you empty everything, and you wake up on the planet for the first time. First time in a body, first time everything, and it was very difficult to get into that state of mind. I've seen, I think, twice people actually coming close to it because our hair was on edge. I was standing up. <laughs> I was like, I was in the presence of an angel, you know, because it was really. But this first time, first time, first time is meaning completely being here now, and already it's the first lesson. You see, it's the first lesson already. So. And then you turn, you know, you go into the the elements, you know, the for a whole week we all laid on the floor, put the mask on, 
uh, Goli would be sitting there with his drum and, uh, you know, to helping us up uh, once in the Monte Dramatique. And this is, you become a, a, you start in the middle of the center of the body is a flame. And you, this flame is inside the body and it's, it's going all over and you start to become fire. But, I, you know, and you, there is a Monte Dramatique, there's a dramatic buildup. And when the fire gets wilder and wilder, he says, I don't want to see George or, or Irma or Oscar. I want to see fire and not the person doing fire. I want to see the pure quality of fire. And it was just, I mean, I, I saw 14 people being fire and I went, wow, my God, if they put a psychologist in here, they would all lock us up, you know? And this was one of my first impressions at the school, you know? It's like, wow, this is really wild. We're going, where's this going? And the next week was water. We're doing everything with water. Everybody turns into water. So, and then there comes wind and then in the end comes earth. And then, you know, after four or five weeks of doing that, you are, your nervous system has been uh, indiscreetly, uh, indirectly uh, nourished with your own fire, with your own elements of water, with your own, you see, you see what I'm saying? Because it's your particular constitution going into that how far can you go we've noticed that men are usually better in fire and women are usually better with water and then improvisation Goli says okay you go out I step man and a woman goes outside boom 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 you come in it's the first uh, first date madame Feu, uh, madame water is waiting for mr fire <laughs> and we come in and improvise out of the blue right what would you say are the main differences in terms of Lecoq's way of teaching and Goli's way of teaching and how did they shape you when you left? Well, Lecoq gave us so many different um, areas to look at this craft through through the neutral mask. And um, and then he, in the second year, was Comedia dell'arte, was, was melodrama, was clown, bouffant, uh, Greek tragedy. Uh, there was there was just a many uh, aspects of looking at the uh, but it was always from the physical so you never get mind heavy right you know you never get mind heavy uh, that was very meta I mean that was almost like um, he would be a detached observer of what you're doing and by keeping uh, by staying like that you would it would rub off on you to be able to observe without comments and then let a comment come but not have this automatic ego comments that your, your quotidien brain comes up with immediately no just to let it seep in what happened there and figure it out and out of the silence <gasps> Come something that is much more real than your ego could ever come up with, right? So that is a practice that he gave us indirectly by being like that all the time. Whereas Goli was directly into your ego, directly into what's wrong, what not what's wrong with you, what is keeping you from celebrating your defenses, defenses. Ego is filled with defenses, you know. And that's the big one, because that's the one where you separate, you know, the men from the boys and the girls from the women. Because if you if you keep defending yourself, you can't play. You're not. And again, the child, the inner child, 
we, I wasn't defending myself when I was a child and playing around with other children. We were having fun, right? We were having fun. I enjoyed playing out there. You see, I, I loved it. I, I, I forgot everything and totally went into the joy. And then we, we finished that play. We're like, what do we do now? I will climb a tree. We'll play, yeah, cowboys and Indians. All right, you know? And then, oh, boy, I'm dying. Oh, my God, take five minutes to die, you know? <laughs> and, and you would shape shift quite naturally as a child from one to the other without any qualms or problems at all. Innocently. <laughs> Innocently, you would do it. And then you went to school and it all got beat out of you. You see? Yeah. All right? You meant, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I do... So for people that haven't been to Goli, it's often a thing that they mistake Philippe for being a bit of an arsehole. I mean, well, but... that's because of defenses. Okay, look, but... I, I, last last night I, I finish your question. I'm sorry, but yeah, well, as you said, there's defenses. But in matter of fact, he's just trying to, as you said in our previous chat before the podcast, he's just trying to take you away from your ego. Well, he knows what is unreal. I mean, he. You know, it's not real, right? The ego is, a, is uh, we have been, you know, preparing these clothes, psychological clothes that we wear. Without these psychological clothes, you end up in a loony bin. You end up in a psychiatric hospital. You need the ego to function in this world, right? Everybody has one. But it's a paranoid android. It can only come, all its imagination comes from the past. It cannot be here now. So it cannot receive anything new. You can, but you're not the ego, but you don't know that until you meet Goli and he says, that's not you. <laughs> that's not you. That too is not you. In fact, I'm going to insult it so much, right? And then and, and, uh, you, you don't know. And, and if you defend yourself, you're in the midst of the ego, you're in the midst of the defense, of his usual defenses, in the name of your integrity, your Dignity, you have all kinds of excuses to defend. Now, this is, a, I, I stumbled upon this last night and I actually wrote it down. Uh, this is Wayne Dyer. Okay, that which offends you only weakens you. Being offended creates the same destructive energy that offended you in the first place. So transcend the ego and stay in peace. Right now, this is something that I immediately recognized, not immediately after a couple of weeks, with Goliath. He knows that. He knows it's not you. You're boring. Ego is boring. It's always from the past. It's not in the newness. It cannot be. It'll defend itself before it steps into the newness. It look insecure, uh, like a fool. But that's what it's about. That it's exactly where the child lives. It doesn't know it. Is a fool. Does things wrong, and still laughs. Okay, I I made a mistake. Okay, no. Let's. What do we play now? Right. It's gone. Right. Whereas we, in this society, there's two things the ego is not allowed to say: I'm wrong, or I don't know. So hmm. we defend that forever. Right. And it's 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 like you know we don't know how ridiculous that is until we ask deeper questions and and if you really want to make people laugh, 
while you reawaken that inner child, that the innocence of that child, it's I, I cannot say it often enough. It's just there is an innocence waiting for us inside. You know, and that is the that is the how do you say? Is the energy of truth, of your truth, it's your authenticity is waiting for you there because that child in the newness of its innocence can get, can reveal who you truly are, you know, and become more you. But without that innocence, uh, it's just all going to be calculated and no, no, it's boring. You, know? you mentioned that uh, it, it's not for everyone. No, it's not for not for everyone. No, no, you have to be. Uh, I mean, uh, this is again. This is where it is personal. This is my personal opinion. You know, you, you Everybody has a their uh, has an inner child. I mean, I played in in five times in 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 Japan. I was in Tunisia. I was in Tel Aviv. I played all over the planet. Um. In all over Europe, all over America, it's the child, everybody in the public used to be a child, right? And it's innocence, and it's the joy of that child. Now, the, the real clown has that. And what does that clown do? Well, he reawakens all the children because they recognize it. It's indirect. They don't know what's happening. But they all, oh my, oh, God, he's so funny. He's my brother. You know, Golia used to say, a good clown plays for his family. It's like when you were you're young and you had all everybody was there for, you know, the, all the relatives were there for Easter, uh, for Christmas, and the kids got you know put a pot on your head and play now it's nights of the round table and get everybody laughing, that's clowning. Ah ha ha ha! Look at her little look look at little Irma. She's funny. She's my you know she's the, that's my sister. That's my brother. That's family, and that is the spirit of clown. There's no intellect in there, is there? No, it's pure mm. joy. It's pure joy. And the ego keeps us from this pure joy. You have to second guess yourself. Catatonic. Nothing else. <laughs> should I stay or should I go? Catatonic. Now just decide, step in, go deeper, look for that innocence and um find a teacher who can give it to you but it's really not for everyone because uh like i said every one of us has that inner child but who is willing to dig it up again to let it have it live freely uh in these times and um and to celebrate it actually that's what you're doing in fact when you're a good for me in my eyes when you're a good clown you're celebrating your inner child and you by in through that you're celebrating the public's inner child who recognize you for who you truly are the pure innocent being that they are themselves as well but have forgotten and that's for me is clowning it's a bit uh, <laughs> a bit around about the bush here but that for me is clowning you know the joy of that now one of the things i found of clowning and uh, there's someone that told me about this but there's most of what Goliath teaches is mm. the August clown, right? Is what? Is the August, August clown, yeah. But there's, well, there's three yeah. main types, isn't there, of clowns? Well, you have, you know, you look at Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy. Look at the, I don't know if you know them, but you look at both of them, and Ollie is more of a white clown. He's more, he looks more intelligent, right? And he takes care of things as he's, you know, ha, 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 ha. 
and, and the other guy's a total idiot. There's the August, right? And so you have this relationship with one who's just slightly, you know, if you have just two idiots, it's just two the same. You need to have, you know, you need to have this, uh, this uh, discrepancy between the two. And um, and the clown, you know, uh, or you have the ringmaster in the old days of the circus who would sometimes take the, the role of the white clown for a while. Um, you know, to to uh, to be the counterpart. Hey, what are you doing over there? You're not supposed to do that. It's like the child, you know, you, you, you just correct the child, you know, the child who dares to go against authority, for instance. There's a whole chapter, right? The child who goes against authority sneaks out and nobody's looking, bang, and, and makes a little appearance and everybody laughs, but he's not supposed to be there. The ringmaster appears, you, oh, oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, sorry, sorry. And I was just cleaning. I, wasn't I? Wasn't I just cleaning? Everyone, <laughs> you see, they're on my side. Go away. Hmm. You know. <laughs> so this is the dynamics. You understand? Would I be able to show you a quick clip of, <coughs> sure. of a comedy? Yeah, actually, I'll show you two things. Um, there's one here. So. So this is the most popular uh, UK comedy thing out there. <laughs> what did you make of that? <laughs> what did you think? It's the thoughts of think? the idiots, you understand? It's what makes us laugh. We're laughing at that. Okay? Because we recognize ourselves in that. That's why we laugh. Okay, I, I lost you. I don't see you anymore. Good sec. Uh... Here we go. <laughs> right, it's the way the idiots think. All right, so, but it's innocent, isn't it? It's very simple, it's very childlike, and it's very, you know, it's like uh, two ignoramuses are hanging out, having a drink, and talking, and it starts like that. And then you have you building the gag, it's good timing, by the way. And you're wrong, you understand, but you got but that's acting, you see. To be able to play those two characters, you need to act. You need to really make, you know, be um, how do you say? Uh I, I'm always talking from the point of view of talking to younger people who are interested in clowning. That's why I'm talking this particular way to you. Okay. I'm not really <clears throat> talking to any adult clowns here. No, they know what they're doing. 
but uh, this this kind of um, how the whole thing is constructed I always in, interests me. How do you construct a number like that? It was always interested me. How do you come up with the idea? Even you understand? Like Gordy would say uh, before before he would send us to create a clown act. He says, you know, the kids get together and have the most ridiculous idea of what will work, and it won't. It won't. It cannot. You know, it's so stupid. It's like too much already. Already the idea, right? Is 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 bad, right? But the clown can pull it off. Why? Because he's so innocent that we admire him for it. That he believes this is fucking gonna work. It's not gonna work. And we see the whole idiocy from the beginning to the end, even from the beginning of the idea he had in order to get away with it. You understand? It's like it's so um, it's so obvious that uh, it's it won't work. Right, and we, we can see it, feel it coming. I didn't feel it coming when the, him falling down. I was surprised that is on croit que mais non. That what, what, uh, he would say, "You believe at Bob, and then he goes right." But this is, uh, <clears throat> but that's a big one uh, about the, the the. I just came to my mind the um, uh, in relation to. You know. Uh, Again, I'm talking to younger people who are interested in clowning, okay? It's the embarrassment is the key. It's it's a huge key, is being embarrassed, embarrassed, okay? You get your bare ass out there. Everybody sees it. Oh, my God, you know? You're embarrassed. That's funny. That is funny. Now, who wants to make a living <laughs> being embarrassed? Or creating embarrassment for oneself, right? That's that's the profession. I'm sorry, but that's the profession. Hello, you're making a fool of yourself your whole life if you if you practice this. You understand? This is like it has side effects, but <laughs> but this embarrassment is exact. That's where the key is, and that's when you understand that, and you get attacked by Gaulier. Let him. Let him be embarrassed. We'll see how much they will laugh when you look like an idiot. See how much they will laugh when you all of a sudden, God, I can't believe he just said that to me. He did, yes. And everybody is aware of that. And you're embarrassed, right? And they start chuckling because, because of your embarrassed situation. Now, if you defend yourself, you refuse to be embarrassed. You can't make any money. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make money by defending yourself. You got to be embarrassed. Fuck, this is really, I look like. And then how you deal with this, with this embarrassment. Milk the, the how you deal with the embarrassment. Milk it. How is he going to get, you know, I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm in the shit. Everybody saw it and I'm looking at everybody and my foot stinks. And they're, and you're milking it because you're not moving right away. You, you, you understand this is how comedy you can, but embarrassment is the is one of the biggest keys I've ever and Golia makes sure that he's putting you into embarrassing situations. Is the math is that simple? But it's not personal. It's for you, it's personal. Okay, because you're still defending. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. Understand? Because but if you're free of that, you join the universal. <laughs> you join everybody's and everybody's happy to see you again because you're innocent. There was, you know, but you needed to go through the embarrassments like everybody would be embarrassed as well if they would be in that situation. And this is the ego world. 
The clown comes and makes fun of it. He mocks it, actually, very indiscreetly, by being so embarrassed. You couldn't be more embarrassed than that. And then people were just like, this is too much. He's liberating me. Yeah, because, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What if, what if there was nothing to defend? You understand? The real you. Hmm? I mean, my mentor in Paris, she, she, I was 23, 25 years old. She said to me, well, you know, if I would tell you the sky was green, what would you say, Renee? Uh, uh, I, I wouldn't, I don't know. Uh, would it be a problem for you? No, why not? Because it's blue. Yeah, exactly. But I'm telling you, if you wouldn't know that it was blue, you would defend a, a blue sky. Because you don't know. And that insecurity, you just don't know. And you start defending because you defend a belief. But you don't really know. And that's the, that is where everything turns around. And Mongolia attacks that which is not real in you. Can you use that, be totally embarrassed, and use exactly that. You turn copper into gold. <laughs> you, oh my God. And you're embarrassed in front of every, and they're loving it because it's not them. You're doing it for them. You mm -hmm. being Christ crucified right now for them. <laughs> and they love it because it's not them, but they're so relieved. Okay. This is very deep what I'm saying here. This is not just fun and games. That's why I'm, talking to younger people who are interested in doing this it says <clears throat> you know dive into it knowing that your your ego is going to go for a ride because it's going to probably die <laughs> it's probably going to step into second place when you by the time you're through because you're having fun like you used to have fun when you were a child innocent you know is the and does it goes is the way in which you do that different in terms of circus clowning or theater clowning or is it all the same it's all the same isn't it no it's a well when the you know um we all have our knickknacks in our from our childhood we're unique everyone is unique david shiner has a, a a way of making people laugh by provoking others right and and like he looks at the sky my god why did you give me these idiots you know and he's like always at odds with life and he makes us laugh because he just he just uh, blows it up a bit, right? Um, uh, other people make. Uh, oh my God, who can I think of right now? Um, Mark Britton. Mark Britton makes people laugh because he's out there. He's too much out there, and he's really heady, and he wants everything to be secure and everything to be. And it, it never is. It never is. And and he just goes on and trying to. Make it work in a certain particular way, but it won't. It won't. And we, we can feel it coming. And he's setting himself up one after another into something that is just, he's going to be so, it's very embarrassing. You know? And we laugh. John Gilke is very precise in his movements. and uh, But the idea with the, the knife falling, I mean, it's just, come on, man. <laughs> Who would do something like that? What an idea. But he did. And he's very classy doing it. You see what I'm saying? He's very fine and refined. And, you know, it's a very different way of clowning. You understand? But it's very, it's talking to you. It's, it's coming from your own inner child that is innocent. And it loves those kind of things. The coat hanger or the, the, the hoop going around exactly. You know, he must have spent like hundreds of hours practicing that kind of stuff, you know. But his way 
is is funny okay it, but it's it's personal my particular way i am i am uh i'm sweet i am i'm sweet innocent and 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 a goofball i don't know you know it's a, uh, and i'm not, i'm not afraid of not knowing cuz even in real life i've done so much improvisation and somebody i don't know and 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 uh, there are many ways of accepting that you don't know you know but your particular way of I really don't know, you know, I, I don't know, uh, 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 I don't know, uh, <laughs> I really, oh, I, or you don't say anything and you really look like you don't know, it starts where it starts, you know, it's not, doesn't start with the sure-fired way and the guys who know, no, no, it's the opposite, it's the ones who don't know, it's the ones who do mistakes, who do something wrong, but you do, you're setting it up, mm -hmm. you're setting it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's that's probably one of the big things between stand-up and sort of clowning as per se in terms of comedy from a lot of performers. Yeah, because the stand-up, the stand-up, um, <clears throat> he generalizes, uh, but he um, he makes fun of himself as well. Uh, but it stays in the, a lot of it stays in the head because he's talking and it's about stories and, and you know, we love stories, right? People love stories. And he points out things that are ridiculous in our life and, and or in politics or anywhere. And we laugh. But the clown, the joke's on you. Hmm. The joke is always on you. It's not someone else. You, you're the weirdo. You're the one who doesn't get it. You're the one who's freaked out. You're the one who's weird, you know. And that, that you know, that is the, that is clowning for me. And it is for me, you know. It's it's um, you you uh, you still believe you have to defend something while the jokes on you, mm -hmm. and because the um, I mean the whole the whole idea of the trickster, you know, in the mythological world is is the trickster is a shapeshifter is a like the child can be from going from one role to another role, right? I'm the bad guy now, you're the good guy. We're just playing roles, right? And it's a game and it's fun. And they enjoy this game, but it's it's uh, there is a shape shifting going on there when you are young, okay. But when you when you grow and you you stay with the heart, with your really your your inner child, you can start, you know, you can trick people into believing things about themselves or, or you. But you can you can also trick people into into a very beautiful higher states by going there yourself you know and you mock the ego you mock the the bars that hold us behind prison uh, the bars of our, our perceptions that that don't allow us to be free right the um, the clown and the trickster can just break them down and we're so glad when they do you know we're so so relieved when the, wow you know it's it's possible somebody can just break the rules like that you know and 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 in a loving way, and it's not against anyone because it's the jokes on me, you see. The joke is not on anyone else. I am the fool. You understand? No yeah. one is uh, put into question out there. Hmm? It's how who if. If you were to start your performance journey again, mm. <laughs> what would you? Yes. 
What would you change? Huh? Would you change well, anything? You know, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, there's two things I might want to change, but no, in retrospect, even that I wouldn't change. I mean, I was stayed in Paris for 10 years in the street. I would have been okay with five, you know. There's some relationships I lasted for eight years, could have been okay with four. <laughs> I'm very slow to understand when things don't work, and I insist on it making it work, but it doesn't, you know, until it's really obvious. Even I get it. <laughs> the last guy in the row understands it too. Renee, okay. Oh, God, this really doesn't work. No. So that, but this, I think, was part of my life in order to have this life go exactly the way it went. You see, I, I wouldn't change anything, anything, because, I mean, people, this is divine orchestration what's going on in this planet. There's nothing to change. It sounds horrible what I'm for some people who are suffering right now, and I've suffered in my life a lot at moments. You know, in my in uh, moments in my twenties where I went really really far down, suicidal thoughts and the whole bit. But um, it's part of the this journey. This is a heavy duty planet we're on. It's very heavy duty. I mean, this is this is dualism at its best. It's like so everything you come up with has its opposite here. How do you juggle these things around to create harmony? Hmm? Well, you might want to, you know, look at what was buried a long time ago, which is that inner child, and you might want to take that into your arms and love it and start loving it and become the parents that it never had, probably. Even that is, even that, to, to even consider that is for some people almost impossible because they, you know, they're convinced they love their parents. I love my parents too, but but they were, you know, they were inadequate in many, many, many respects. They gave me a lot of weird stuff. You understand that that is not their fault because they have just been given to them. But, you know, it's it's if you want to have a clear slate, you you better, you better look at yourself, uh, um, and as I said, the, the beautiful thing about Lecoq, he, he was meta, that means he was he was detached. And he gave me that detachment, that way of looking at things in a completely detached way. So I would not get caught up in any comments of the peanut gallery in my own brain. This is, no, that's all peanut gallery, that's all ego. But what is on the depth and beneath that, when his mind finally quietens down, finally quietens down and you just do not pay attention to all this and bang sudden some the new information can come in now you know and that is the real deeper uh training i believe that you need in in order to free yourself so that you can have fun on the stage you know you need that training again i'm only talking to younger people who want to uh i'm not talking to professionals right they're doing it already, okay? Of course. Mm. I wouldn't change anything, uh, in other words, because it's uh, I see, in retrospect, even the beauty of even the pain. You know, the the at one moment I threw up my arms and I said, "Thank you, darkness! Thank you, darkness! Without you, I wouldn't be able to see the light. I couldn't. Hmm. I need you in order to kick my butt." So I can go, fuck, this doesn't work. No, never did. No. When are you going to get it? Well, maybe it's time to do try something else. Yeah. All that darkness. And all of a sudden you switch. You understand? You, you, 
you you get it and it's obvious why don't you try something that always worked like what like consideration benevolence love why don't you try that it always worked we tried everything but that <laughs> of course you look like a fool you know but now you still look like a fool but you're a happy fool because you know that that's not it you just came out of darkness you got a lot of darkness in, in your rucksack there, but you know you can cut the cord. Poof, darkness gone <laughs> on the stage. You are as a free child again, and and people are just so overjoyed to see you in that freedom. That's the real thing that rubs off on your audience, not your ideas, not 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 your 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 plans, you know, not not your your calculations. No, your your joy, your your innocence, your your. Uh, and that it gives you courage and, and you, you start becoming brave because you're not no longer concerned with what others think about you because you know they're all, you know, paranoid androids. They need help. <laughs> they need your help to come and show them a little bit of light in this life, you know. And you can and, and you need to be you better be interested to find that light within you because that's the light the world needs, right? Yes. This is a very particular profession where you can apply yourself looking for the light in this form. But my take on it is get in contact with your beautiful, innocent inner child. Get in contact with that beauty, that original, authentic beauty that was covered up, uncovered, unrevealed. Take the layers off. Take the layers off. And, and the teacher... Uh, like the school, like with with, uh, I was able to do it for me. It was tailor cut for me. I was I was uh, tripping. I was so happy to be at that school because I was what they taught me in the morning, the fixed points and 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 uh, how 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 I can you know create a rhythm, telling a story where how to use these fixed points. In the morning, uh, in the afternoon, I was making making money with it in the streets. The same teachings immediately, you know. Bah, and I, and I, I earned money, and uh, the the spirit of the uh, the innocence and the um, the fun of it all, you know, immediately. Bah, uh, in, in the same afternoon, I was out in the streets making money with it. You know, okay, so it was hand to mouth immediately for me. So it was tailor cut for Renee, who had this particular trip. You see, that's why it's, it stays quite personal the whole journey that I went through. Okay, understand. You can't generalize it. I'm just, I have a very particular way of looking at clowning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, nah, that's fine. Um, for anyone that's, that's listening to the podcast now, mm. what would be the best way to, for them to find out about you and get in contact? Um, well, you know, I'm, 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 I've stopped. Uh, I've stopped teaching uh, uh, since COVID, actually. So I have been um, I've been out of the circuit. You understand? Um, my name is Rene Bazinet. I'm on Facebook. If anybody wants to join me, I already have two thousand eight hundred friends. I know about twenty eight of them. You know, uh, because I was known before. Everybody wanted to be my friend. I don't know these people, <laughs> but. Um, um, yeah, René Bazinet is on Facebook, basically, because I'm a very low profile. I'm not into, um, uh, you know, uh, I've done the career, so to speak. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not no longer 
looking forward to making great events happening on the stage right now. I'm mm. more focused on the poetry of Rumi to work more with my voice, and uh, which can be a little bit funny sometimes, but it's much more um, esoteric, I would say. It's much more metaphysical, and I love that. And uh, so I'm I'm getting turned on by a new a new stream. But uh, if anybody wants to have some, uh, there's a clown right now uh, that uh, was referred to me from Cirque du Soleil. Uh, play your play my number, and he's uh, I'm in in contact with me, but he's a professional. He's on tour right now, um, in um, in Chile right now. He was you know he was in uh, Rio de Janeiro, and now he's in Chile. But him, uh, we I have a nice relationship with him because he is a professional. He's already there. And when he's asking me things, you know, we're just, we're just tripping, tripping, tripping. I'm just saying, okay, you could do this, that. Oh, wow. Whatever. And, and that's that's when I open up. Me, you know, when somebody wants to have something, <clears throat> if it, if it uh, you know, if we can understand each other, you know, which we do, him and me. Uh so that I could, I'm open for uh, <clears throat> giving some advice to people about certain things if they want to send me their work. Uh, why not? I, it's my passion, but I haven't been looking into this for the last two years, really. You know, I'm 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 taking a big uh, a break, maybe forever from clowning. I don't know. I really don't know. I've just done so much of it. You know, in my whole life, forty five years, I was on the stage. You know. Uh, <clears throat> from hotel room to stage to airport to train station, <clears throat> you know, it's 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 a very particular lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It can be a lot of fun if if people enjoy what you do. Yeah, yeah, of can be. <laughs> well, that's that's Rene for you guys. Hope okay, you enjoyed it. It's I'm gonna say it with more pronunciation. It is Lenny. Rene Bazinet. Rene Bazinet. Yeah, yeah, something like that. If you want to find out about Rene, it doesn't matter. Rene Bazinet, you know where to go. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Make sure you give it 100% star review on all platforms. Make sure you pay me and Rene a lot of money. Yeah, right, right. No. If you enjoyed it, just share it with your friends, follow the podcasts, and I'll see you in the next episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed it.